Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. We're in our uh, Becoming Like Jesus message series. We talked first about the encounter with God. We did a whole message series on encountering God. And the question a spirit-filled believers have to ask is, what now after the encounter? Lots of people flop on the ground like a fish and get up and don't act no less of a demon than they were before they fell. And we want to be like, what now after the encounter? How do I get the encounter of God resident in my life? You say amen. I don't want a visitation. I want a habitation of the presence of God. Amen. I don't just want to, I don't, amen, 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 amen. I like it when I get a little bit of money, but I like to always have money. I like a big paycheck, but I like getting to the place that I don't even notice I got a paycheck. It's nice to get a good paycheck, but it's nice to get a good paycheck and not notice the difference. Can you say amen? That is the difference between a visitation and a habitation of God. Every week you're getting a good paycheck so you can live a prosperous life. We talked about the saving encounter, the freedom encounter, the empowering encounter, the commissioning encounter with God, but now we're talking about becoming like Jesus. We're talking about spiritual formation, and we, re- we decided, and we declared, and we realized that faith in God looks like something. Hello. It looks like something. Faith in God needs to look like something in your life. The way we live our lives has to look like we have faith in God. It should at least look different than those who don't have faith in God. Amen? There should be a difference in our lives if we actually have faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about I became a Christian, so I put my hand up and pledged to the rules. I'm talking about God living in me should look like something different than those who do not have God living on the inside of them. And we have come up with a a phrase to recapture this. We call it, I, let's say it out together, I am practicing my faith. You got that there? Oh, I lost the sound. There he is. Let's say it together. I am practicing my faith. This is what we say when we're demonstrating that we're not being formed to this world but undergoing countercultural formation. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 as we read God's Word. And this is what we want. We want countercultural spiritual formation. Countercultural spiritual formation. At some point in your youth, you recognize that some people were cool and you weren't them. Then you underwent cultural spiritual formation so you could look like them. And we want to be countercultural spiritual formation so we can look like Jesus. Acts chapter 2, this is what it looked like in their lives, starting in verse 40. It says, And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And can we say amen to the reading of God's word? And God, we pray that you would bless this word that we've read. 
bless it to our ears and our hearts and our minds, that it would bring formation into our lives. Hallelujah. I spent a week away from home. I was, it wasn't a week. It was a, a stretch, though, away from home. I haven't been away from my wife in a while. I was at a conference in, or, in Orlando, and uh, a bishop friend of my bishop was having a conference of his network, and I had the divine pleasure of being there with them. As I spoke about earlier in, uh, in worship, um, I, I, have a, I have a neat opportunity. Josh, if you could switch the lights at some point, that would be uh, thankful. Um, I, I have the uh, divine opportunity of living in between worlds. You, you know what that's like when you live in between worlds? Like maybe you have a way that you act at work and a way that you act at home, right? You're living in between worlds. Hopefully they're both you. And you're not fake one place or another. But it's good at work to act like a professional if they're paying you to be a professional. It's good to act like a good parent at home if you have kids. You know, it, it's good. It's, it, it's beneficial to your life. Uh, sometimes we, we understand the culture that we live in is somehow not healthy for us, and so we act countercultural in a way that's even more devastating, more destructive than the culture would have us. We want to live counterculturally, but what we do is we feed into their stereotype of us, and we act countercultural to what they want us to even our own destruction. I hope that makes sense to some people in the room. As opposed to outing, acting countercultural in a way that's true to who we are, who we're called to be, and what would actually be beneficial to us and those who come after us. This is what we desire to have. We desire to have a way that's countercultural. But I was, um, uh, I was, I was in a, a conference and. Um, Beautiful people love Jesus, very different than the culture of our church, very different than the culture of the church that I was raised in. I have told my story many times, and I'll continue to tell it because that is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's a spirit of prophecy, what He has done for me, He could do for you. What He's done for anybody, He could do for you. But I was raised in a, in a white family in a black neighborhood, and so I lived between two worlds, if you know what I mean. Uh, my family moved down from Pittsburgh to buy. My mom was not exactly the most economically savvy. And so when she moved down here, she found out that there was a special loophole that you could buy uh, uh, housing at a, at a discount in certain neighborhoods, that, the, that they would help you, uh, the government would help you buy uh, houses in these neighborhoods. And did, little did we know it was you know, low-income housing that we moved into. And uh, so I moved into a very low-income neighborhood uh, in the midst of my... With, which we fit right into because we were a low-income family and uh, in a low-income neighborhood. That's how you qualify. But I grew up in a, in a, in a home that was a, a very white home, Italian home. Uh, it's funny. What we call today what we call white is not what we called white yesterday. Uh, you would talk to some people who say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not black American, I'm African because they moved here maybe from Nigeria or Senegal or or, or, or somewhere else, and, and they don't want to put on a label that's put on them. Uh, my grandmother uh, came over on the boat from uh, Italy. Her fa whole family came over from Italy, and she never did consider herself white. She said they had Latin blood. We consider Latin America Latin, but to my grandmother, she was brown, and uh, she was unable to date the people she wanted to date because of her ethnicity. Uh, and so she never did consider herself white. And, uh, but I grew up in, a, in an Italian home, in a in a black neighborhood, and I learned early in my life that I'm living in between two worlds. I didn't fit in with the white folks at school because I didn't grow up the way they grew up, but I didn't fit in with the black kids at school because I didn't grow up the way they grew up. I lived in between two worlds. So all my friends were black, but my family was white. And so I'm at this uh, conference this week, which was a, a predominantly African-American 
um, African-American Caribbean um, uh, network led by, uh, oddly enough, a Puerto Rican bishop. And so this uh, uh, Puerto Rican bishop had a black bishop and he kept elevating him in the network. And he's like, listen, I'm Puerto Rican and this is black. And I don't, I don't, and he said, just let the Lord lead you. And so he's, a, he's married to an, uh, a beautiful mixed woman like I am. That must be an anointing on that. Um, uh, uh, Jesus is down with the swirl. I am uh, convinced of this. I'm convinced that he is. Um, uh, amen. And... Um, if that's you, you in the right house. You are in the right house. You get, a, uh, you, get, you, get a side, you get the side eye here if you're like, wait a minute, you white and you married somebody white? What? See, dude, that's how, were well, you black and they black? Oh, they Caribbean. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And now we get it. See, if you're in this house and, you know, uh, and so I'm in this, um, I'm, I'm in this, this network. I'm at this meeting and um, worship was amazing. Uh, if you caught any of my stories, worship was amazing, but it was different. Say different. Amazing, but different, right? And we view things, instead of by the Spirit, we view them by our comfort. Because we assume God is like us. <laughs> Clearly, I am following God perfectly. And if he, wanted, if he was like that, He would have made me like that. Instead of recognizing that God is so multifaceted. So multifaceted. And so, at times, they would get excited and shout, and I'd be like, I'm right at home. Carl is going to shout down some preaching right now, right? I am down with that. But then worship would get really big, like, or the praise would get big, and then, and then they'd have a praise break. And they're doing dances I don't know how to do. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I was afraid I'd hurt something if I tried. I'm not a young man, and I'm not at a place where I can, and I can see little kids, and I can see grown adults, and I just got to, I'm just, just I'm gonna do, here's, here's where I am right here. I, this is where I'm at right here. I'm at this right here. You might get a little of this. But this, no, I can't, I don't got that. I do not have that. And I'm not going to try. Why? Because I know who I am. I already know who I am, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I can give God praise without trying to look like everybody else. It's a heart posture. It's a worship posture. I don't, I I didn't stand out and I didn't fit in. We were all worshiping Jesus together. The goal was, though, that in a moment that God deserved praise, I recognized it and I gave him praise. And when my spirit bore witness to what God was doing, I would stand up and bear witness to what God was saying. When the prophet would speak a word, I shown up, stood up and pointed out, yes, brother, you, yes, you are speaking, bishop. Yes, bishop, you are speaking the truth right now. I am testifying that you're speaking the truth. And so half the time, you know, I, I have to get out of town just, just so I can sit down sometime and yell at the preacher that they, they preaching the truth because that's who Carl is. You're like, that's not like the church I grew up in. It ain't like the church I grew up in either, but it is what it is. It's where I'm at. It's where I'm at. It's who I wanted to be. That's what I felt in my spirit. And so God, had, in his providence or foolishness, had led me to start a church that's going to be a little bit different than other churches. You're like, this ain't how we did it in my church. I, I bet it wasn't. I bet, it, I bet it's not because I ain't never been to a church like this church where we could, we could be different and love one another. Amen. Now, as a, as a white guy, it's funny when you talk to people and I ask them, you know, hey, uh, what church you used to go to? And they'd be like, oh, I went to Haitian church. I'm like, is that the name of the church? They really, I mean, like, could you imagine if you drove up in this parking lot and it just said white church? Could you, could you, would you, I wouldn't go. Would you, like, like, no. And then they tell me the name in, in Creole. And of course, I can't pronounce it uh, because I don't know Creole. Uh, but I'm like, 
you could dignify it with a name and then explain to me later, like, you don't, like, don't, don't assume you have to lump it into an ethnic, ethnic category just because I don't reflect that ethnicity. You can have honor in that ethnicity and just tell me the name of the church. Brazilians do the same thing. What church do you go to? I went to a Brazilian church. There's one Brazilian church in South Florida because I done met a lot of Brazilians. You tell me there's one? Because I done met about 100 pastors. You know, like, is one? Oh, it had a name. What's the name of it? Come on, let's honor it. Let's honor it. Like, I, I, like, I like real. Can we, I just, I like, I like real. I got a message here. I'm going to get into it, and it's a good one. But I'm going to tell you a story anyways, because um, <clears throat> it's who I am. I like real. I like genuine. I like pure. I hate church that's manipulative. I hate hidden agendas. I hate faking things and calling them God. I, I have the, I have, I hope they don't watch this today, but I, I have the, um, I somehow have become um, the resident uh, kind of theologian for a lot of local ministers and people beyond my sphere of influence. And they call me and they ask me things. And, um, you know, when we had, a, we had a moment in worship today that we suspected God was doing something. And so I got on stage and encouraged you to encounter God in the midst of it. Amen. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a moment, right? It's a, it's a worship moment. It's spontaneous. It's by the Spirit, a spontaneous moment. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't throw shade on any church. If you're preaching Jesus Christ, we're on the same team, right? That don't mean I can't say there's some things that are a little funny out there. And so I, I got a call from a, recently from a, a worship um, leader who uh, was telling me that they were, they were planning a worship moment, a spontaneous moment in worship. And I'm like, how it's spontaneous if you're planning it? How does, how does, that, how does that work? Like, oh, no, no, we have these spontaneous moments in worship, and I need to study the scripture because that's what I'm going to speak about in the spontaneous moment. I'm like, again, how, how is that? And that's, that's what the majority of churches do these days. They have these spontaneous moments where someone brings a scripture or an exhortation, and that has been planned all along. It's a planned, spontaneous moment. And, and for me, I won't say that out loud. I, I'm not for it, okay? We'll just say that. I would rather church be clunky and authentic than pre-planned and perfect, right? Because Jesus was clunky at times. The church is clunky at times. I'm clunky at times, right? We all get a little awkward at times, but I was, hey, you know, I will serve the body of Christ. I broke down theologically the scripture that they didn't even understand uh, that they were supposed to spontaneously speak on. Um, I, I helped teach them the background of this scripture and how they could share it in a way that would edify the body. And I got a text message with the video. Look how well it went. And I was, I was very happy for them. I'm sure people were encouraged. Uh, but I like authentic. I, I, like, I, like, I like real. I, I, I hate hidden agendas. I hate liars. I hate gossips. When we started this church, the greatest rule we have was we do not gossip about people. We never talk about people behind their backs. If you ever hear anybody tell you, hey, don't tell anybody I told you this, you know they're in sin and the devil has come to trap you. That's, that is a, hey, keep this secret gossip. Oh, you are a liar, devil, get behind me. That, that, the next words out of your mouth need to be, devil, you are a liar, get behind me. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Don't you hate it? You need to hate it because it's sin. Because the gossip who gossips to you will show enough gossip about you. And you are a fool if you think they don't. Because gossip's gossip, right? And so, so, so we, like, 
We like real. I want real. I want real church. I want real people to encounter a real God. And this is how we live. So I'm at this conference, and they're worshiping different than me, but I'm worshiping just the same. I'm getting prophetic words. I'm sharing my revelation. I'm, we're, you know, I'm getting prophetic words. I'm, I'm, I'm getting encouraged. And, and uh, some people thought I might stand out because of my skin color. I'm like, I'm in the minority at home, you know, so I'm good. I'm good here. I'm good, right? You're not, not going to bother me at all. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And then uh, Bishop Mark uh, got up uh, on the final night, and he spoke, and Blew all our minds. That was so good. You remember when he came and he brought a word and like you needed a thesaurus and two, you know, Bible dictionaries to understand what the heck he's talking about, right? Get a commentary and two theologians to break down what any of that meant. And uh, just hope you got it by the Spirit. But we we have to be honest about where we're at with Jesus so we can get where we're supposed to be. If we're not honest with ourselves, now, we have to learn to, to, to recognize where we're at and be honest about where we're at so that we can grow to who we're supposed to be. It's impossible to run a marathon if you won't admit to yourself you're not at the start line. You can't just walk outside your front door and say you're running the Boston Marathon. you got to show up to the marathon. You've got to be registered. You've got to qualify. You've got to be accepted. You've got to pay your dues. You've got to show up on time at the right place at the right time when they, the authorities, say that you're in the marathon to run the marathon. But so many of us today, we're so fragile, we can't hear where we're really at because we equal failure with being a failure. We, we equate what we do with who we are. And instead of understanding that I have gotten things wrong and I have a Savior who has paid for that on the cross who now welcomes me into a loving relationship where I can grow in Him, be equipped with my failure to do something new and help somebody else, if we don't get that in our head, then we deny the fact that we got issues and we never grow and we actually start hurting people around us the same way that we've been hurt. And so as we read the Scriptures, come on somebody, as we read the Scriptures, it's important that we stop, if y'all get nothing else out of this message, I hope you hear this today, we need to stop looking at the Scriptures and finding out how we can be the hero and look at the scriptures and identify ourselves with the failures that are shown in the scriptures so we can be better people. It's vital. Critical. It's critical that we look at these scriptures and we allow them to read us. It's critical that we look at these scriptures and we let them reflect us. And so we use this last week. If this scripture out of Acts chapter 2 was written today, it would probably look something like this. Put it up for me, Josh. They studied the apostles' teaching when they were bored or couldn't sleep. They, they had Christian fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got lunch together every now and then. They never really saw God do anything miraculous, and they were fine with that. They sometimes talked about generosity, but never actually were generous. Two out of five Sundays they came to church. They didn't invite people into their homes and rarely talked about Jesus outside of church. In fact, they didn't really look any different than their co-workers, and every now and then somebody was randomly saved. That's, that's what the Bible would say about the church in America today. It's pretty hard to go to work and see who's a Christian and who's not. And I'm not talking about being a Bible thumper, judging every other person. I'm talking about having an ethic and a lifestyle that reflects that you've given your life to Jesus. And so we, we, we outlined four ways that the church today has come up a little bit short. If you would, next slide. Uh, we see that in, in the church today, we have ignorance, there's selfishness, isolation, and self-reliance. These are opposite of what we saw happen after the baptism of the Spirit. And we have so far talked about the 
cure for ignorance is to actually study the Word, not just casually read it, finding ourselves as the hero, but actually study the stories of the Bible. We talked last week about the cure for selfishness is generosity. And generosity is at the heart of countercultural formation. The enemy is working overtime through this society to make you scared that you won't have enough. That you have to store up for yourself riches so that you'll have enough. Because if you don't, everyone's going to get over on you. And the way to enter into the Spirit is through generosity. We serve a God of more than enough. You say amen. I want to tie my finances into the finances of heaven. And you do this by setting aside the first part of your finances, the tithe to God. And when you set that aside and you say, Lord, my increase is your increase. If you need an increase, just go ahead and give me an increase. And then you tie your finances to God's finances, then you have shown that you don't believe in the God of this world. You're worshiping the God of heaven. That's why we call it the Lord's tithe and your offering. Your offering is what you give beyond your tithe that you want to bless those around you. You want to connect yourself to something bigger than yourself. You don't want to be the biggest thing in your life. You want to be part of something bigger than you. That is the church of Jesus Christ. And so now this week we're going to talk about the, 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 the cure for isolation is communion. Say communion. Now, when we talk about communion in the church, often we think about eating a little wafer and drinking the, the shot glass of juice, and that's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about communion. It talks about a whole lot more than that. I want you to hear this. Friends hang out. Christians have communion with one another. Friends hang out. Christians have communion with one another. When you gather in Christian fellowship, there's something supernatural that happens. Now, every first Sunday we have communion. And if I were to tell you where I feel the Spirit leading us, we're probably going to move to having it every week. That's just what I, where I feel the Spirit drawing. And if I had to tell you the church has done that, parts of the church have done that since the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, every church did that for the first 1,500 years of Christianity. Uh, Luther decided we're going to kick out the elements so that the Catholics aren't special. Uh, but reaction is never the way to get good theology. Amen. You break up with somebody and you're like, I'll show them, I'll start living this way. Now they have more control over you than they did when you were with them. They're still dictating how you behave. But I don't have time for that right now. Hope you get that and run with it. <laughs> Be free though. Be free. Every first Sunday we have communion, but it's symbolic for the fellowship that we have with God and with one another. When we receive the cup and the juice, and I don't have time to fully teach on this today, it's not the actual body and blood of Jesus, but it is something special. Pastor, but how do you know it's not the actual body? I grew up in the Catholic Church and they believed in transubstantiation, that it becomes the actual body and the actual blood. How do I know? Because when Jesus did it, he didn't break off his finger and say, here, eat this. He served them bread and said, this is my body. Now, if he took his foot and said, here, nibble, this little piggy went to market, right? This little, like, then we could say he served the actual body and blood, but he did not actually do that. There was no blooding ceremony that he did there. He gave them juice and he gave them bread, right? I got nothing against my Catholic brothers and sisters. 
I just don't believe we're eating. It's not cannibalism, right? There is something that happens. He's saying, as the body, we're eating the body, and it forms the body. It's supernatural. I hope you go to lunch today with someone who is a believer, and when you sit down and you have your pancakes and, you know, the 9,000 calorie lunch you're going to have, that's just, I believe is blessed. I believe there's nothing more blessed than the Sunday afternoon overeat and the nap thereafter, amen. It's got to be prophetic. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're now at the, at, the, at the feast of the Lord, and then after that, I go home and enter into the rest. How could that, how could that not be holy? How, how, how could that not be sanctified? How could there be calories in that meal? That meal has to be just, it's blessed, right? It's blessed. But what we do, unfortunately, is we have these uh, teachings on communion, and, uh, and we give all this information and we give people buzzwords to say, but we don't tell them how we came about these thoughts. And I said this two years ago, two and a half years ago, I started really hammering this home. And some people learned it, some people did not. But the church has been teaching people what to think instead of teaching how to think. Been teaching people what to think instead of teaching how to think. And so people will get on TikTok and they'll hear a phrase, and oh, that's it. Like, no, let me, let me, let me teach you critical thinking. Let, let, let's go over some Greek. Let's go over some Hebrew. Let's go over some church history. Let's, let's figure out how to come up with theology that actually helps. And so on Sunday morning here in the pulpit, if I could just kind of get into the nuts and bolts of church for a second. Uh, you know, nobody, everybody loves sausage. Nobody wants to see how it's made, right? We love the church, but once you get involved in the church, we start not liking the church as much because we start seeing what's behind the scenes. But what's behind the scenes is people just like you. And we get disappointed. Like, I thought they'd be better than that, right? But they're just like you. I've met the who's who of the charismatic zoo, and they ain't no better than you. They're just like you. So Sunday morning, when I get in the pulpit, it is, it is as some call, the sacred desk. I, I get behind here with the Word of God and... Uh, and, and I, I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Sunday mornings is for. The Sunday mornings is to talk to you about Jesus, to challenge the people of God to view life through the Sermon on the Mount. It's my goal on Sunday morning to paint a picture of, of God and His kingdom and what Jesus has done for us and that you can see it and see how you fit into that story of God and humanity so that you can make educated decisions to live your life sanctified to God. That means to be set apart from this world. How do I fit into this big picture of who God is in the last 4,000 years of written revelation of God and 6,000 years of recorded history of God? And how, how, how do we fit within that story? How do I reflect and honor that story in my life. That is, that is my goal on Sunday morning. It's to paint a framework for life. It is not my goal on Sunday morning to tell you what to do in a voting booth or how to um, talk to a specific type people group on, on the streets. And unless I see a crisis in the house, and then I will certainly stand up and say, we got a problem here, church. And we're going to have to deal with it publicly because the problem has become public. And we're going to have to deal with the problem publicly. But short of that, it's my goal here not to meddle in your lives or to tell you what to think, but to hopefully equip you how to think. Now, by doing that, I risk 
you making bad decisions, but I find that Jesus has done the same thing for us. He's given us the opportunity to make so many bad decisions, knowing that the Holy Ghost of God is there to bring you back on the path. And Jesus said, he's like a, a hen brooding over his nest saying, come, come, let me, let me cover you in the midst of this bad decision, because that's how you learn. You learn by being given the freedom to make decisions. And so this is what we do in this house. We give you opportunities to make decisions, be they bad or good, knowing that we'll be here to support you on the way to redemption. But the story that we want to paint as the church of Jesus Christ is God's fellowship with man, that Jesus came, the Father gave His Son, so that we can live for God and for one another. And this fellowship that we have with God is not natural, but it is supernatural. Can you say amen? This is the, the fact that in this room we can have people from Caribbean backgrounds and European backgrounds and native backgrounds and, and, and African backgrounds and European backgrounds and Latino backgrounds. We come together and we gather around the same word. We gather around the same elements, the, 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 the sacred communal elements and around the same worship and we lift holy hands. That's supernatural. This is, this is, I need you to come in here with a heart knowing I'm not just going to a meeting. I'm not just going to AA or I'm not just going to a business coach. I'm not just going to work. I'm entering into something supernatural that it is supernatural and my participation in it is supernatural. Me being a part of it is just as supernatural as the whole itself. This, this fellowship that the Greek calls koinonia, it's this interweaving of lives in God in the Trinity, catching it all up together that we may live as a part of the triune God, fulfilling our purpose, bringing glory to God and inviting other people into this beautiful, sacred, holy dance that we call God. Can you say amen? This is what the church is. And so many people get their part of the church wrong because they get the purpose of God wrong. We have a terrible theology of God, and that's why the church is so messed up today. And in Genesis 1, as we read the book, uh, it's credited to Moses writing this. But he didn't write it as it happened. You know, Moses wasn't there on the first day taking notes while God was creating. We read the Bible wrong because we don't know who God is. And so we look to the Bible for things that the Bible was not written for. Genesis 1 was written... Most believe it was an oral tradition handed down starting with Moses. And it was given orally over the years and it was finally put to paper and written about how everything started. There was this belief on the earth that there were multiple gods and there was gods for everything and there was a god even for matter. Matter itself had its own god and some believed actually was a God, and there was a God for the harvest, and a God for the sun, and a God for the moon, and a God for the ocean, and all these gods were everywhere, and this story was written down on paper while the Jews were under Babylonian captivity. They had been taken into Babylon, and they didn't have the stories written out. It was given tradition through the rabbis, and through the priests, and they finally said, we need to write down this story. And so they began to write down to these people who were in a culture that did not honor the truth. The truth of what happened in the beginning. They were 
trying to tell you, hey, what you're being taught about every God being equal. And that many of you now believe that your God, Yahweh, is just one of the gods in the universe. is not the truth. You do not need to just worship Yahweh on the Sabbath and then you go to Molech or some other God when you need a harvest and you go to the sun God when you need warmth and you go to the water God when you have to cross by sea. They're trying to write the story. Hey, listen, our God is the one true God. So they begin writing this story that Stephen, we know, understood as he was about to be murdered because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He looks into the heavens and he sees Jesus open. He sees the heavens open. But before that, he begins telling them the story of their people. And he, he says, the, our father Abraham, who saw and recognized and worshipped the God of glory. Now, some people had a, a God of harvest and a God of water, but he had an understanding of the scriptures and a revelation of God. He said, the, the God, the God of glory who needed nothing to create everything. Needed nothing but His Word to create everything out of nothing. And as we read in the Bible, ten times He says, let there be, here in this creation story in the first chapter of Genesis, these ten fiats, He says, let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Literally in the, in the, in the Orthodox tradition, they, they translate that let there be, not into let there be, but let it be. Let it be, you may be familiar, those of you who have studied the Scriptures, is the same thing as what amen means. So that's when we say our God is the amen. When I say amen to something, that's me adding my faith to what you say, and I say let it be. Let it be eternally. Let God's testimony carry on for the ages. And you say, let it be. Amen. Come on, yeah, 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 yeah. Let it be. You say, I'm going to go and get this job. And I say, let it be. Amen. I'm believing God for a miracle in my finances. Let it be. Amen. We got to know what we're saying. We don't need to just learn when to say the right word. We need to know what we're saying. We decided as a house that we're going to be people of the Spirit and the Word. So that we can actually have faith in the words because the Spirit has enlightened our understanding of the Scripture. Without the Spirit, the Scripture means nothing. Before I was saved, I read the Bible all the time in my heathen state. And then I got saved and met the Word. And all of a sudden it came to life. But he writes down here these two, these ten let it be's. Where he created the world out of nothing. He needed no other God. Our God, the one true God, Yahweh. At the beginning, there was nothing but him in his triune nature. And he created everything out of nothing with his word. But it wasn't really out of nothing. It was created out of his love. His creativity is expressed in his creation of that which he loves. Our God is a creative God. Look at the sky and look at the ocean and look at you and look at, look at me, right? He is a creative God. He is the God of 
creation. And he expresses his creativity by creating that which he loves. Amen. Amen. And we see, you know, <clears throat> we see in the book of Revelation, we see this, this story of the creation again. And we see there was this war in the heavens. And there's this dragon that was feminized and all this battle happening and this war happens and out of this war, dust and ruin and decay are, are left after this fall on the earth. And, and God, in the midst of this earth without form, being dark and void, God in His triune self begins to speak to Himself having a conversation. And He gives these ten let it be's. But then He stopped with the let it be's. And he says, let us make. Let us make. He didn't speak man. God took the dust and the decay of this planet, the fallout from this heavenly war. And he said, I'm going to get this decay, dusty, broken creation. And I'm going to gather it together and I'm going to put my breath on it and I'm going to spit on it and I'm going to create a new creation out of this thing that reflects my triune nature and I'm going to use this new creation to crush the head of Satan who would rebel against me. And I'm going to make a victorious people who will see the enemy for who he is and see me for who I am and they'll reject the world that has fallen by this creation and will rise up in the authority that I give him. I'll give him my word and I'll give him my spirit and I'll create him in my likeness and he'll defeat this devil that tried to war against me. The very dust, the very decay, the very wreck that came from that war I will cause that to be victorious against that which will rebel against God. And that is what God said, let us make in our image. Can you say amen? amen? I meet so many Christians and they're embarrassed of their failures. They're embarrassed of the decay in their own lives. I'm like, don't you know that's what you're made of? You are nothing but failure that God breathed on. That God formed in his hand, in his own image. And said this right here that the enemy thought he owned. I call my very own. And I'm going to put my hand upon this one. And I'm going to breathe my spirit. And they're going to love me. And I'm going to give them authority over every work of the enemy. And I'm going to send my son to die on a tree. He's going to be held up high and his arms stretched out wide and he's going to give up his spirit on that tree and by faith in that Jesus which was resurrected, you'll have power over every work of the enemy and the Bible even says that you will, you will complete that which Jesus came for to destroy every work of the enemy. Jesus said, to his father and the father said to the spirit and they collaborated amongst themselves. Let us make man in our image. They'll have one will. They'll be one people. They'll be of one faith. 
But we're created in the image of the three in one God. Can you say amen? What does that tell us about us? If we understand that God even on his own self didn't act in singularity, but is three in one, we understand that we can't act in our singularity. I had a conversation with a young man. <clears throat> he said, hey, I just want some advice. I want to go into ministry. I was like, that's great. Hey, you give yourself to the Lord. That's great. Well, what, 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 are you, what are you part of? Like, what you're, he goes, I'm not part of any one religion. I'm like, oh, Jesus. He says, I just believe in the one true God revealed in the Old and New Testament. I was like, oh, 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 okay, that's what everybody says. Uh, that's good. He's like, but I don't belong to any religion. I was like, brother, you do. You just belong to the religion you're creating. That, that's, I was like, I got, I got major red flags with what you're telling me right now. He's like, you got a red flags? I'm following the one God? I was like, no, I got major red flags because you think you can do that on your own. Without 6,000 years of theological scholarship, without a pastor to shape and mold you, without a brother and a sister to walk alongside, without someone that you're pouring into and is pouring into you, without any kind of accountability or covering to think that you alone can be the theologian, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, that you think you alone can be the church father and the church mother, that you alone can be the tradition. I got some red flags right now, brother. Got some red flags for you. He didn't hear what he wanted to hear from me. But I hope you heard what God had for him. What, what was I trying to say? Listen, <clears throat> you cannot do this walk by yourself. Amen. We can't do this walk by ourselves. What we need is the church. Let me say it another way. I cannot know myself by myself. I can't know myself by myself. You think you know yourself pretty good, get in a relationship. And they will start telling you some things that they see about you. That is not necessarily what you see about yourself. And we want to argue because I've been right all along. You've been wrong all along. No, I cannot see myself by myself. That's why it takes two to know one. My wife and I don't um, do a lot of marriage counseling. <clears throat> I think because we don't like to sit there forever. <laughs> Let me take it back. I don't like to sit there forever. I could, I could solve 80% of marriage problems by saying, you just need to be more humble. Both of y'all need to be more humble. Just, just shut up and listen to what they're saying. God brought them for a reason. Oh, we got three options here. God brought them and you ain't listening. They're telling the truth and you ain't saved enough to listen. Or you don't hear God and you married the wrong person. Which is it? Which is it? In any of those, you need to repent. I'm speaking as Ben. Been married how long? 22 and a half years. See, it takes two people just to know how long I've been married. I've been doing this thing for a minute. It's one of them three things. Guess I got it wrong, Pastor. Or you're getting it wrong, one or the other. I don't know. Hallelujah. But you, you can't know truth without the Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost to even know what the Bible means. Amen? Amen. You can't know your, yourself without someone else. 
You can't know God without the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. We need this supernatural creation. Jesus said to pray this way, our Father in heaven, give us our daily bed. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Give, keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. If you don't have an us, you ain't part of the church. And I dare say you're probably not saved. Oh, pastor, are you saying? I'm saying whatever you think I'm saying right there. All I know is Jesus said saved people are part of the church. How are you going to be water without being wet? Come on, you got to be part of the church. I ain't saying you got to be part of this church, though, if you're smart. You know, I would, you know, I would recommend it. But, you know, there are other churches, but you got to be part of the ecclesia. And, 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 and we, we cut ourselves off, man. Hear me. If you got church hurt, I feel you. My wife and I, we feel you. We get church hurt. But, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kicking out God's chosen agent of change on the earth because some people unscrewed it up. That, that's, I'm not doing that. All right, let me, let me get teaching her so I can finish up and let you go home and eat that chicken we talked about. <clears throat> we, need, we, need, we need both. We need, we need this comfort that comes from fellowship, and we need the truth. See, see the enemy wants us to be so, so you, you can take that down. He wants us to be so self, self-centered, so selfish, so, so um, isolated that we don't have communion with God. That's why the enemy wants to isolate people. You might have a word. <clears throat> this is what happens to the prophetic people. Prophetic people, you got to pay to give your prophetic word, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, <clears throat> there's a cost with being a prophetic voice. That's how you know, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. That's why how you know there's so many false prophets today. They're popular. Show me a popular prophet in the Bible. You won't find a single one. But you got somebody that everybody wants a word from? Probably not a prophet. Because prophets going to tell you some things you don't want to hear. I'm, I'm, it's in the Bible, right, Duke? I'm, just pre- I'm preaching the Word of God. Find me a popular prophet in the Bible. Anyway, all right, you can, just, you can reject that one. You can just chew on that one for a little bit. Are we good? Can we, are we being in the church right now? Is that all right? Is that all right? I, I, want you to, I want you to receive what God has for you. And if you reject everyone who says something you may not like, it's not God, then you're not going to have the real God in your life. God wants us to get healthier. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be a church that loves and knows how to deal with conflict. We've got to be able to deal with some conflict. Instead of just run away and, 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 and sin against God. We've got we to be able to stay and deal with some conflict. Amen. I'll say it. Amen. I was at this uh, meeting. I was at this meeting. I kind of got a little carnal. And uh, that ever happened to you? You in church and you get carnal? You start ju- judging things through your natural eye? I was in this meeting. I was a little carnal. I was like, they were, they were more liturgical than we are. You know, they had an ordination service the first night. They were in the vestments. The bishop came in with a crook, you know, the, you know, like the thing with the, yeah, yeah, the shepherd's staff. And um, you can get a little carnal. And you're like, is this, you know, this is different than what we do. Is this, what, what? And then the Lord showed me the bishop's angel in the corner. I was like, oh, forgive me, Jesus. I was like, oh. I was like, I'll be honest with you. I was like, you bored? You want to hang out with me? You want to come? I'll keep you busy. But we get carnal, and the Lord will open our eyes to see 
things are, th- there's more going on than you know. Amen. There's more going on than you know. And let me tell you right now, in your life, there's more going on than you know. God is working behind the scenes. There are people praying for you right now. There are people who are, God is waking up at two in the morning to intercede for you because you're part of this house. You'd be like, why am I praying for this person? You all don't know this, but I get calls from people and they're like, who is this girl, blah, blah, blah. And, and they groan, so I know it's not a, you know, who that? You know, it's like a, you know, who, who, is, who, is, who is this girl? And I'll tell them the stories like, here, let me tell you why. Because I got woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I saw them in church and, you know, and I was praying for them from this. I'm like, bless the lamb. That is what the church of Jesus Christ is about. But you don't show up, they don't know you. Ain't nobody praying for you. But you show up, there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Can you say Amen. God is orchestrating things. He's lifting up intercessors for you. He's giving special gifts to you that you wouldn't even know where they came from. You're, you're at church. You're praying, man, I just need a breakthrough in this. Then someone gives you some mystery money. Don't you love mystery money? I love me some mystery money. I love mystery money. It's my favorite. I like all kinds of money, to be honest with you. But I love when the Lord don't put my need on somebody's heart, and it just shows up. It brings glory to God. That's, that's, that's what it means to be part of the church. Am I preaching all right, honey? I'm going along. Am I going okay? You can be honey too. That's all right. Just you know, in the, in the ecclesia sense, you know, his word is like honey, right? Into the land of milk and honey. John chapter seventeen, verse three. Bible says, "Life begins with knowing the Father." And in First Corinthians one nine, we're told by Paul that he has called us into fellowship with God. Or God has called us into fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. You see that the triune God doesn't do anything on his own. Jesus said that the Spirit would reveal that which Jesus spoke. Jesus said he does the will of the Father. The Father says that his nature will be revealed by his Son. They do nothing alone. There's this triune nature of the Godhead. And us believers, we also, we should not do anything alone. We should be part of the body of Christ knowing I'm moving the will of God forward on the earth. In 2 Peter 1, I thought I'd have more time to unpack this. I don't because I'm running too late and I'm getting a little hungry. Uh, 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 in talking about Jesus, Paul, excuse me, Peter writes, Peter writes that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Watch this. Through these, that's his calling, through God's knowledge and goodness, through these, he has given us his very great precious promises so that through them you may, watch this, participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world by evil desires. Now, if you're a new believer, you're new to Jesus, like, I got a plan for you to begin following God. Ready? Sinless. You may not be at the place where you can sin not at all, right? Give yourself some grace. You have been formed by this world your entire life. And then you get this, you get this supernatural vision of the promised land of living in perfect communion with Jesus where sin no longer has power over you. It might take a minute to get there. Right? We have what theologians call an over-realized eschatology. We believe that Jesus, what everything that he has for us is already here. It's over-realized eschatology. We're not there yet. Right now, we see him as a glass through a glass dimly. 
then we will see him face to face. So go a little easier on yourself. I'm not saying go ahead and sin. What I'm saying is just your goal is sinless. Right? If you're bound and you're drinking too much, you know, like you used to have a, wine, a glass of wine a couple times a week. Now it's always wine o'clock, you know, at some point in the night. Pick days, right? Like start with just saying, wine o'clock ain't on the clock today, right? Let's just pick some days that you can, you can, you can cull it a little bit, right? Like, 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 like if, you're, if you're addicted to pornography, just, like, like just say, just today I won't, right? Today, I, I don't know about tomorrow, but today I'm just going to go ahead and ride my bike, right? Like I'm just going, <laughs> I'm going to do the laundry. I'm not going to go anywhere where there's a computer. I'm just going to go to my friend's house and just sit on his couch all day. And I'll be like, why are you here? You're like, just to be here, right? Just, just sin less. Right, right? But, but I need you to hear this. The goal is not measured by sin. The goal is to participate in the divine nature. That is the goal. The goal is to participate. And, and what happens is sin keeps you from the divine nature. And so I want to sin less so I can participate in the divine nature of God. This is where I want to live. I want to live in his presence and his glory, hearing his voice and knowing if I don't hear his voice, he's not saying anything. It's not because, you know, I'm still thinking about the sin I'm repenting of. Don't you hate wasting time with sin? Don't you hate, like, like I, I would, I would <clears throat> carnally, I would say the worst part of being addicted to sin is the amount of life you waste on it. Just wasted time. Like it just steals your time. Like, wow, I could have done this. I could have bettered my life. I could have started that business or discipled that person or I could have got my finances in order. Instead, I spent three hours a day this entire week on this. I could have a master's degree with what I have devoted to sin, right? Like, like you, you, you could have started a business. Like, I could have repaired that relationship with my mom. I, I could, my, my lawn might look like I care about it. You know, my car might work. Might have a better job. I, you know, who knows if I would have devoted to participating in the divine nature of the time that I spent on sin. I, 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 what, I'm, what I'm trying to do right now, and I hope you get this, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your sin. I'm trying to give you a vision of a better life. Yeah, yeah. I once was young, but now I am old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. This is the word of the Lord. And, and some of you parents who like, I, I, I feel the Lord is prompting me to say this. So I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. This has nothing to do with my, my message. Well, maybe it does. You're going to spend a lot of time repenting in the future of your inability to control your temper now. Walk in more grace with your kids. Walk in more grace. Amen? Okay, real, three, three real quick things. You want to be like Jesus? Three quick things. I want you to write these down. I want you to try to live them out this week. Number one, fellowship with God is always connected with fellowship with believers. You see it in the scriptures all over the New Testament. Fellowship with God is always connected with fellowship with believers. I meet these self-appointed prophets who don't want to be a part of a church, who think they're prophets, and I have to, I get the divine joy of letting them know they are not prophets. 
I love talking to them. Oh, you're a prophet, but you don't have a church. Yeah, because they don't love righteous. Who's your apostle? You don't got an apostle? You ain't a prophet. And the Bible says if you had the spirit, you'd be able to discern that. You're welcome. 10 o'clock, Monday morning, or Sunday morning. Second in uh, Yamato. I'll crack the scriptures. We can work on that. We can redeem your call, right? But everybody wants to be their own thing. Like, you got to actually care about the people in the body. You got to be vulnerable with these messed up people who are just as messed up as you. And you might, somebody might find out that you're not as perfect as you want them to think you are. And what's going to happen is, what's going to happen is you're going to find out, ain't nobody thinking about you. busy thinking about their own problems. Nobody, nobody's thinking about you, right? Unless the Lord brings you up and they're praying for you. You're going you're gonna, to gonna get what you say, oh, wow, you messed up too? <laughs> oh, you think you messed up? I'm really messed up, right? Let's just run after God together. So this week, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to try to reach out to some people. Make a connection. Be they saved or unsaved, talk about Jesus with somebody. Talk about church. Just, just bring it up in a conversation. Just be at lunch and say, yeah, that is, yeah, oh, you went to a hockey game. That's, man, that's good. That reminds me, man, when I was in church, pastor said this. And then you can just leave it at that. But get, like, hockey, church. But just talk, just, it's just, it should be part of your, your vernacular. Just, it's part of your life, your relationship with Jesus. Don't, 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 if I, can, if I can help you in your evangelistic efforts, don't tell everybody the dirty, nasty sins you did. And then, like, that's not as helpful as you think. I know you think you're giving glory to God, but it's a little weird when you're at work and you're like, and I cheated on my wife nine times and I had sex with a man and I'm like, whoa, what, what kind of group are you a part of? I don't, I don't know that I want to join that, you know? Let's talk about the goodness of God. Am I, am, am I doing okay, Brianna? Is this all right? Am I, can I, okay, all right, all right. I'm just, like, you don't got to be weird to be a Christian. Amen. We can... We can give glory to God without being weird. Like, save, save some things for Jesus, right? Just save, save part of your testimony for the other side. You know what I'm saying, Duke? Like, not everything's for everybody. Not everything's for everybody. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop. When you, be, when you fellowship with God, you will be connected with God's people. That's how you know you're having real fellowship with God. The testimony of this house is people are like super, super, super isolated and super, super loners, and they come here, and the Spirit of God makes them start being connected to other people. And they're terrified. And then they find out, oh, I'm not going to break in half if, you know, if I talk to somebody. I can actually make relationships. Like, the, the lie of the devil comes off. And so if you come in here, and come on, amen. So if you come in here right now, and you hide, and you run out, that's okay, but God has something better. And let me tell you what you do. Sign up to volunteer. And then you can just say, I'm only talking to people because I have to, because I'm volunteering, right? It's like a step. Become an usher, become a greeter, join the, the production team, start volunteering in the house of God, and then you all of a sudden start making relationships and God starts doing something because your growth in the body will be connected to your growth with Him. And that leads me to my second point. Serve the church and protect her unity. This, this, is, this is the divine requirement for elders in the church, that you protect the unity of the church. You serve the body and you protect the unity. You can't become a bishop without 
swearing to protect the unity of the church. You can't be an elder without swearing to protect the unity of the church. Read uh, Titus or Timothy and Paul's writings in that messed up church in Ephesus where there was so much infighting and selfishness. He's like, you have to protect the unity. To go against the unity of the body is to participate in the work of Satan. So as you live your life this week, God's going to give you opportunities to, to, to squash gossip. Here's what you're going to say, and it's going to make some people mad. They're going to say, but I know that she done. You'd be like, well, I don't know nothing about that. They ain't, they ain't got nothing to do with me. I don't got nothing to do with me. But she done said, well, you probably should go talk to her then. I'm supposed to go talk to her? Yeah, 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 because, see, I'm a Christian, and I'm practicing my faith. And my faith says if I have a problem with someone, I don't talk about them. I talk to them. This is Christianity 101, right? We're practicing our faith. I want you to practice your faith this week. You may not rebuke anybody, but if someone comes to you hurt about something, you could encourage them to take healthy steps to repair broken relationships. Are you with me? Number three. See, in, well, let me tell you this. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, this is so interesting. You know the story of, of, of um, when Saul became Paul, right? Remember, he was, he was killing Christians, and uh, it, it, it really, he got ignited um, activated demonically at the murder of Stephen. He don't caught a demon right there. The Bible says after that, he went about killing Christians, going in houses, putting people under lock. And when Jesus came to rebuke him, Jesus showed up and he didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you killing Christians? And the Bible says in in, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it didn't say Saul began murdering Christians, it says Saul began ravaging the church. When someone comes against Christians, they're actually coming against the church. The satanic power that they give themselves to to not caring about the health of the church. And so this week, I want you to protect the unity and serve the church. And number three, I want you to honor the church as the bride of Christ. What does this mean? I want you to honor the church as the bride of Christ. <clears throat> we've all read stories about weddings that went crazy, right? We, we've known, I've, as a pastor, I've done a lot of weddings. Some of them were good. Some of them were crazy, right? Uh, so, so, so they're all joyous at times, but sometimes they get wacky. But, you know, what's the worst thing a woman, like maybe the mother of the groom could do at a wedding? What? Show up in white, Right? Right? The mother of the groom shows up in a white dress. Why? Why why is that so bad? It dishonors the bride. The bride is special at the wedding. The wedding is for the bride. The bride is special. The, The bride walks down the aisle, is presented last, has a white dress on. Of course, this is all comes from the Bible. Has a white dress on is special, and is different than everyone else. And when you show up at the wedding, you dress in a way that honors what's happening at that day. Can you say amen? You, you, you don't, you're not cool by showing up dressing down. You're being disrespectful. You're dishonoring the bride and the groom. And when we come to the house of God, we honor the bride of Christ by coming here with a reverence that I'm not just here to be fed. I'm not just here for the pastor to spoon feed me. I'm not just here uh, so, so that my needs can get met. I'm here 
honoring the bride of Christ, and that's the people around you. Look at somebody, say, you're the bride. Yeah, tell them, and so are you. There, there's, there's something, listen, there's something very special about you now. When you become a Christian, there is something supernaturally special about you. And when you come into this room, something holy happens. It's called the communion of saints. We confess in the creed every single week. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church. The ancient faith believed that the mother of God is the church. Mary, mother of God. The church is the bride. The church is the mother of God. They, 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 they conflated these two things. They believed that the church universal is so holy. And us in this room, are, there's something, this is holy. This is supernatural. This belongs to Jesus. And I want you to come next week with a holy reverence that I am going to encounter the bride of Christ. Come if you would, Stanley. And so in doing that, we're going to create an atmosphere where people, the people of God is, we're going to create an atmosphere where the people God is calling feel welcome to meet God. We're going to create an atmosphere where the people that God is calling can come and meet God. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, they come in and, and, and we think we're just in a gathering, but really something supernatural is happening. And we want these people to come in knowing, man, there's something different here. These people are taking this seriously. This is, this is, this is something holy. I'm expecting God to do something right now. Amen. Stand with me if you would. I want to pray for you. You know, I taught more than I preached today, and I taught longer than I wanted to, but, you know, I believe the Lord is speaking to us, though. Amen. I believe the Lord is speaking to this house. I believe He's speaking destiny. I believe He is uh, speaking purpose. I believe He is, uh, I believe that He's speaking vision. I believe He's speaking direction. I believe he's speaking to us corporately and he's speaking to us individually. I believe the Lord is crafting a people for himself. And we're going to sing this chorus one time and I want you to make a, a, a heartfelt devotion to your brother and sister in Christ and that you're going to honor the church of God because he is worthy. Amen.
get right with God, I just want you to come forward real quick. I just want to lay hands on you. Keep singing. The Lord just told me to say that, so I'm going to say it. Just get right with God. Just come on forward. Just come on. Come on. Don't wait. Just come forward and just line up. We're going to break you. Just line up. Worthy is Take one more. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. We're going to pray this prayer together. We're going to give our lives to God. We're going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to shepherd us as we be a part of the church. We're all going to say this prayer. You may be devoting yourselves to God. It may be the first time ever. Maybe the fifth time this week. I don't care. But we're going to commit ourselves to live part of the church of Jesus Christ, being shepherded by the good shepherd himself, Jesus, the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. We're going, to re- we're going to lead you in a prayer where we repent of our sins, we ask Jesus to save us, and we commit ourselves to following him. So you're going to repeat after me, and everybody in the room, let's repeat it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I knew it was sin, and I did it anyways. Please forgive me. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. He is the Son of God, sacrificed for us. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, He rose again. He went up into heaven, where He's praying for me right now. And one day, He'll come back for us. Thank you for saving me. I commit myself to you. Holy Spirit, live in me. Give me power to be a witness. And I'll tell the world what you did about me. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said. Come on, all the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Stay right here. We want to pray for you. Come on, sing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare your presence and your power to walk in repentance. In the name of Jesus, we declare the forgiveness of sins. Boldness, 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 forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, here we go. Right there. Take it, take it, take it. Fire the Holy Ghost. Worthy is your name. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Let me bless you right now. You ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Can you say amen? Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. Give a clap offering to the Lord for what he did today. Now go walk in this peace in the name of Jesus. If you need prayer for healing or deliverance, I want you to stay at the altar or come forward. We have somebody who would love to pray for you. In the name of Jesus. Duke, can you come? Duke, can you come and pray right here? Amen. God bless you.